With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two for the podcast. Today is Tuesday. It is the 5th of September and the sun is splitting the proverbial stones, as they say. Today, we are going to dig into the now closed Premier League transfer window. 
We're going to go team by team. Today, we'll do the first 10. Tomorrow, we'll do nostalgia for a little bit of a break from transfers. Thursday, we'll do the second 10. And then if there's questions and stuff, we'll do them Friday, uh, along with some predictions on the season. Um, Right, let's dig in. Let's jump straight in with Arsenal. We'll just go alphabetically because it's just easier that way. So, incomings. Declan Rice, Kai Havertz, Jurian Timber, David Rea. Outgoings, Foleran Balogun, Granite Xhaka, Matt Turner, Alston Trusty, Pablo Mari, Kieran Tierney on loan, Rob Holding, Nuno Tavares on loan, and Marquinhos on loan. They also loaned out Albert Sambilaconga, Arthur Nkonkwu, Runer Alex Runerson, who is the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen. And Ainsley Maitland-Niles left the club on a free transfer. So that is a total spend. We just need to do a bit of conversion. Of about 140 million net. So let's go deal by deal. The Declan Rice deal is an enormous overpay. There's just no way to argue against that. He's a good player, not a great player. And paying 105 million for a good player is ridiculous at the best of times. It's not as big an overpay as Kai Havertz, though, because Kai, at least Rice was coming from his reputation being quite strong. Kai Havertz had, let's be fair, he had flopped at Chelsea. He scored a goal in a Champions League final, which means that that, that transfer is always going to be justified from Chelsea's point of view, always. He scored the winning goal in a Champions League final that automatically justifies paying that money for him. But he flopped. And Arsenal have basically given Chelsea their money back. I think Chelsea overall lost about £7 on the deal if we just go number v number. But I said when they signed Havertz, I didn't see the fit. I thought it was a a weird move. And thus far... It has not been promising. It's very early days. But overall, I'm not enthused by Kai. And I love Kai Havertz. I genuinely do. That's just the wrong move for him. Um, Jurian Timber, I'm not necessarily sure he's what Arsenal needed. But he's a good player and the price is good. David Rea on loan, I don't really understand. I don't really understand the David Rea move. Is it to put more pressure on Aaron Ramsdale because you didn't think Matt Turner was? That's fair enough, but I still don't still don't fully understand it. But what I will say is they got him on loan, paid a, a decent loan fee, and they have an option to buy. So all things considered, for Arsenal, it's not a bad deal. It improves them. They got good money for Balogun, but a lot less than they were hoping for. They got more than they should have gotten for Xhaka. They got about what they paid for Turner back. The same with Austin Trusty. They lose considerable money on Pablo Mari. Rob Holding going so cheap so late in the day was a bit of an odd one for me. 
didn't really understand the decision there. Now, I know Rob Holding's not good enough to play for Arsenal, but they are now a little bit light at centre-back, especially considering Timber's going to miss most of, most of if not all, of the season. Uh, didn't really understand the decision to loan Kieran Tierney, especially considering the injury to Timber. I thought keeping a defender who can play all across the back line might have been a clever decision. But they loaned him having spent the entire summer trying to sell him. They also loaned Nuno Tavares having spent the summer trying to sell him. So some failures here in terms of selling players. All things considered, I think it's a B window. I think they've still left themselves short in one or two spots. I don't know who the backup, if anything happens to Bikayo Saka is. Is it Reese Nelson? I, I I don't think that's a position Reese Nelson is going to excel in. Could it be Emile Smith-Rowe? Again, it's the wrong side for him, but he can play there. But the manager doesn't seem to have much trust in, in Emile Smith-Rowe, including at the weekend when he brought on Reese Nelson ahead of him. Personally, I probably would have kept Balogun and sold Eddie and Ketia, but that's just me. I think I'd give it a B overall. I don't think it moves the needle for them. And I think the early signs are it's actually made them a little bit worse because the Kai fit has been kind of funky. Actually, is it even a B window? We'll say B minus. We'll say it's better than a C. Because Rice is a good player, Timber is a very good player, and Kai is a very good player. It's just the fit. The Raya deal is a good one for what they paid. And the Jacket sale and the Balogun sale are, are pretty good. We'll give it a B. We'll give it a B. We'll leave it at a B. We'll go on to Aston Villa now. Uh, Musa Diaby. Pau Torres, Nicolo Zaniolo on loan. Potentially that one could pay off massively. Yuri Thielemans on a free. Clement Langley on loan. I'm not a big fan of Clement Langley. Uh, leaving Cameron Archer, Jaden Philogen, Aaron Ramsey, Marvelous Nakamba, Keenan Davies. I don't like that they sold off three of their brighter young talents, including the two biggest young talents in Archer and Ramsey. Now, not including the other Ramsey, but he's an established first-team player. Um, Ashley Young left on a free. Wesley was sold to Stoke at a considerable loss. Morgan Sanson and Sinisola were loaned out, and Jed Steer was released. Uh, Villa spent a total of... 130 million, give or take. Um, I don't like the sales. I don't like the sales. I don't like who they sold. And I, I think they got fairly poor return for Marvelous Nakamba and Keenan Davis. Um, and I wouldn't have sold the three young players. I love the signing of the Abbey. I think it's a tremendous deal. Oh, I've gotten the... Uh, Oh, I've gotten the fees wrong. Hang on. I've looked at the wrong thing for the fees. I'm an idiot. Uh, for Arsenal, 
It was about 145 million net. So that, that's fine. Uh, for Villa, it is... To be fair, Villa's, Villa's spend is not bad at all. So their, their purchases, including the loan fee for Zaniolo, is about 76 million. And their sales about forty million. So they've only got a net spend of about thirty six, thirty seven million. And they have definitely upgraded. Pau Torres is an upgrade on Mings. Musa Diaby is probably an upgrade on most everybody at the club. Zaniolo could be a, a big, big player for them if it clicks and he can stay injury free. And Telemans on a free is a good signing. And gives them more depth and more quality in midfield. I'll go B plus for Villa. I like the window. I don't think they did quite enough. I would have liked another another forward player. I know they got Diaby. I would have liked another one. I know Zaniolo technically can play in the attack. And given how this manager sets his team up, maybe that's the case. I would have liked another right back. I think that's a position that they're going to be weak in. Matty Cash is the only recognised right back there. Esri Konza can play there and started there at the weekend, but I don't think Esri Konza at right back is the answer, really. Now, if he's going to do the the thing where basically it's it starts as a back for Konza right back, Dini left back, Cash right wings, and in possession they change so Cash and Dini are wing backs, then Konza works fine. But again, I would have still liked another one because if Konza gets hurt, then what do you do? Um, I thought he might have actually taken a, taken a, an attempt to get Juan Voigt, who had great success there for him at Villarreal, is still at Villarreal, and I think would have jumped at the opportunity to move back to the UK, uh, having spent time at Spurs and been quite happy at Spurs. I think he would have made that move. We'll go B-plus for Villa. I love Bournemouth's window. I love Bournemouth's window. Tyler Adams, the Hamid Traore deal becoming a permanent. Alex Scott, Milos Kerkes. The Roman Favre deal is a little bit weird. It was just a way to get him to Laurent. It's a little bit weird, but it is what it is. I'm not a huge fan of Justin Clivert, but you can afford a gamble at 10 million. Max Aarons, they've got a bargain. Luis Sinistera on loan. Last-minute transfer and a brilliant get. A brilliant get. He is such a good player. And Radu, the keeper they brought in on loan from Inter with an option to buy, I think that's a very, very good move as well. Uh, Going out, Ben Pearson. They lost Jefferson Lerma. They lost Jordan Zamora and they lost Jack Stacey, which isn't really a loss, but... Zamora and, and Lerma are, I think, their their losses to them. They've loaned out Jaden Anthony, Mark Travers, Jamal Lowe, James Hill, and Will Dennis. I think they're one short at centre-back. Not as a starter. I really like Zerbarni, and I think once he set, settles in and he gets an established partnership going with either Sinisi or Kelly, I think that's a pairing that works. I'm not a huge Neto fan. But they've gotten Radu in, so that's good competition. So they're they're decent in goal. 
you've got Aaron's, Zabarni, Kelly, and Kirkes as your back, your starting back four. They're a little bit light behind them. A little bit light. They've got Sinisi, but loaning out Hill isn't a deal I agree with. They're a little bit light at the fullback spots in terms of depth. Um, but Lloyd Kelly can, can slot in at left back if you need him to. You bring in Adams and Scott to go with Cook, Christie, Billing. The midfield is fairly set. Billing, Scott, and of course, Hamid Truri can all play as that number 10. So can Christie. Christie can play wide. You've got Sinistera, Oatara, Clivert, Brooks, and Tavernier. They're they're in really good shape in the wide areas. Up front, I think they could have done with one more. Now, with Sinistera arriving, it is possible they could use Oatara through the middle as an alternative to Solanke or with Solanke in some sets. But the Pats and Daka deal would have just given them that other presence up front. But all things considered, I genuinely love this window. Tyler Adams, I think, is such a good signing. I think that's like that is punching above your weight to get a player of his quality in. The Hamid Traore deal is a really good one. The Alex Scott deal, I'm just so happy he's gotten his Premier League move. It's unfortunate that he's arrived injured. So this could be a, a tough season for him as he tries to get back to fitness and then has to try and break into the team. But it's a great signing. Kirkes is a great signing. Aaron's, like I said, that's a bargain. Seven million for a player of his quality. He was being touted around at 40 million two years ago. So I think they've done brilliantly. It's absolutely an A window for me. I think it's one of the best windows anybody had. And credit to them. Uh, they spent... They spent heavily. Like they did they did spend very, very heavily. Uh roughly 110 million, I think. Hundred and about 105 million. So it's it's a big, big investment, especially considering they sent they spent fairly big in January as well, bringing in Zarbani and Oatara paying the loan fees for Hamid Traore and Matthias Vigne. But I have to say, uh, these owners really have stepped up since taking over. And the other thing they did, of course, is they brought in a new manager. And I think the manager they brought in, Andoni Irola, is one of the better young managers in Europe. And I think it's a big swing and a big, brave move. And I really, really want Bournemouth to do well. I really do. So absolutely an A window for me. An A summer overall. Uh, Brentford next. Now, I'm going to say this immediately. They've left themselves a little bit short, but I like what they've done. I really like the signing of Nathan Collins. They needed a new centre-back. I think he's an upgrade on what they had. Kevin Shade, they had him in from January. Loan with an obligation to buy. He's a very, very good player. I think they'll. I think he'll do really well there. He's still so young that he's got so much upside and so much development ahead of him. The Mark Flecken deal, he's a good goalkeeper. He's just a bit of an odd one for them because there's no resale value on him. 
and they brought in Neil Mope on loan, which I actually think is a clever signing because I think Mope in that atmosphere with that manager who has a strong personality, because Mope needs to be managed. You can't let Neil Mope run amok. But if he's managed, he can be a very, very impactful player. And coming off the bench there at Brentford, I think he'll do well. Uh, they sold Mads Bidstrup. They loaned David Rea. They sold Sergi Tanos. They let Pontus, Pontus Janssen go on a free. Um, they spent around $45 million. Now, I think they're short one in attack. They did try and get another attacker in. They tried to get Nico Gonzalez in. They tried to get Johan Bakayoko in. Those ones were a little bit odd to me because what they really needed was more of a nine, and they're both right-wingers. Now, I assume the plan was to play Mbomo through the middle of the front three, and that's fine because he can do that. He's got the core strength. He's quick enough. He's technical enough. But I would have preferred a more Ivan Tony type of nine. But I'm not going to question Brentford. They're a smart club. They know what they're doing. One more in midfield. Now, it could be that Damsgaard kicks on this season and we see the best of him. And like that's the thing to remember here as well. Last season, they had Damsgaard, they had Hickey, and they had Lewis Potter come in. Hickey started but had some injuries and was learning to play right back, having been a left back most of his career. So I expect him to kick on this year. Damsgaard made literally no impact last season. So if they get him another season in, more confident, get him back to his best, I think he can have a big impact. And so can Keen Lewis Potter, who potentially could play that middle role as well if needed. So I do think they've got the benefit of those past windows that can help them this season as well. Because Kevin Shade obviously was a January signing and it took him some time to settle, but he started this season really, really brightly. I'll go a B because I like the moves. I just think they've left themselves one short. I would have liked another fullback as well. I would have, I would really would have liked them to go and get Kyle Walker-Peters. That's the player I thought they should have bought. You bring Walker-Peters in, he's just starting right back. Rico Henry's just starting left back. And Aaron Hickey can play both sides and play equal number of games. So let's say you start Henry, 26 games at left back. Walker-Peters, 26 games at right back. Hickey plays the other 12 on both sides. So he gets 24 starts. And then maybe you give him the early rounds of the, the League Cup with, you know, he plays one side and one of the others play the other side and they can mix and match that way. Um, and I think you could have kept all three of them happy and you could have kept all three of them fit because Hickey has had some injury issues. Henry has had some injury issues. I would have liked even more so than the striker. I think another fullback, especially a right back, a, a Walker Peters type, just someone really reliable, someone that you know you don't have to worry about. Kyle Walker-Peters, by the way, I am stunned he didn't get a Premier League move this summer. Genuinely stunned that he didn't get a Premier League move. Because he is absolutely a Premier League caliber starting fullback. 
that's the one thing I think they 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 missed on this summer. They weren't even linked to one that I saw. Uh, next up then is Brighton. So they bring in Joe Pedro. They bring in Carlos Baliba. They bring in Bart Verbruggen. They bring in Igor. Adrian Mizulu. Mahmoud Dahoud on a free. James Milner on a free. Anzu Fati on loan. They sell Moises Caicedo for 115 million. Robert Sanchez for 25 million. Alexis McAllister for 35. They also sell Andy Zakiri, Michael Karbonik, Aaron Connolly, Radic Kadra, and loan out Dennis Undav. Uh, Hayden Roberts leaves in a free and they loan out a bunch of young players. This is an A window all day long. They got 115 million for a 75 million pound player in Moises Caicedo. Now, <clears throat> they did get undervalue for Alexis McAllister. They got 35 for probably a 50 million pound player. But the fact that they got 25 for Robert Sanchez is a very, very good deal for them as well. Right, there's going to be a bit of a weird break in the podcast that you might have heard or might not have. Uh, My internet crapped out for the past five hours, give or take. And I have spent most of that time um, trying to mow the lawn and do different things outside. So I'm a bit of a mess at the moment. But we're going to go straight back in. We were starting Brighton. We're going to go through the Brighton players. Uh, we'll start with Joe Pedro. I, I love this signing. I thought he was fantastic when I saw him at Watford. Inconsistent, but Watford were a mess. He's a kid, and it was in the championship. He was getting booted left, right, and center. Beliba, it's a very small sample size, but the kid has incredible talent, and he could well end up being their next, well, not the next mega money sale, because that will be Ferguson or Matoma, but certainly he's won who could become a huge money sale for them. Uh, Bart Verbruggen, the goalkeeper, arguably the most talented young goalkeeper in the world. They were needing a new keeper. Steele wasn't the answer. Sanchez wasn't the answer. I think this kid will be. Igor, I'm not hugely keen on. He's a, he's a good player. I would have gone a different direction if I was them, but I do think this is a signing that makes sense for them. He walks in, he can be... An immediate contributor. Now it's taken him a little bit of time to get up to fitness and whatever. He had a bit of a broken preseason. I think once he steps in next to Lewis Dunk, we'll see their defense kick on quite a bit. Um, Mazzuli, I have Mazzuli, Mazzulo, Mazzulo. I haven't seen a huge amount of just, just highlight clips. He looks talented, but highlight clips make everybody look talented. That's the point of a highlight clip. Mahmoud Dahoud is one of the smarter signings of the summer. Now he's had a rough time. At Dortmund, it never really fully clicked for him at Dortmund. But he's a classy player. He's a very, very hardworking player. If he can stay fit, I think he could be massive for Brighton this year. I'm not hugely keen on Milner at all. He can't play at this point, but I can see the logic in bringing him in. European football for the first time, another grown-up in the room. It does make sense. Ansu Fati... This is one of the most talented 20-year-olds on the planet. I'm stunned that Barca have been willing to loan him, but at the same time, I probably shouldn't be. I think this is the perfect move for him. He goes to a manager who will absolutely put him in the right positions to succeed. I'd like to see him play on the right for them because with Veltman behind, he won't have a huge amount of defensive work. Plus, they've got Matoma on the left. 
Now, Solly March has been outstanding since the Zerbi took over. So it's going to be hard for uh, Fatty to get into the team. But I think when he does, I think he'll show his quality. Um, and, you know, the sales I- I've been through, I think I think they did very, very good work. Um, getting that money for Caicedo is, is just such a win when you paid $4 million for him. It's an A-plus window. Without question, it's an A-plus window. And I should point out that despite signing players for 30 million, 24 million, 17 million, and 15 million, Brighton still made a profit of 80 million pounds this summer, which points to how well run they are. Uh, We move on then to Burnley. Burnley have taken a similar approach to what Forrest did last year, and they've signed a lot of players. Amdoni, Trafford, Ramsey, Bayer, Burge, Odebert, O'Shea, Obafemi, Delqua, uh, Kaliashu, Redmond, Masengo, Figueroa, Tresor, and Larson. Tresor and Larson both in on loan. Tresor with an option to buy. Quite a few uh, Ford players brought in. They sold Bobby Thomas who's the only one they sold for real money. They loaned out Veghorst, Ashley Barnes, Will Norris. They both left the club on free transfers. Scott McTw- sorry, Scott Twine, Luke McNally, Bailey Peacock-Farrell and Dara Costello all went out on loan. Matt Lawson was released. Um, This is a strange window. Like, there's a lot of talent come in the door, but it's a speculative window. Amdoni... You're gambling heavily there on a young player. He's 22 years of age. Big step up from the Swiss League to the Premier League. We'll be interested to see how he does over the next four months leading us into January. James Trafford's a very, very talented young goalkeeper, but again, no Premier League experience. Aaron Ramsey, outstanding young player. Good good value, I think, in the fee. No Premier League experience. Jordan Bayer was with them last season on loan. No Premier League experience. Wilson Odebert, no Premier League experience. Dara O'Shea and Sander Birch do have good Premier League experience, though. And they're both still young enough that there's still more to come from the pair of them. I like both of those signings. And I do like, I love the Ramsey signing. I like the Trafford signing, though the fee was a little high. Odebert's an incredibly talented player ludicrously talented player. Um, Delqua, I don't know a huge amount about. Obafemi, I've got a soft spot for because he's Irish, but he's always struggled at the Premier League level. Uh, Kaliashu certainly looks a real talent from what we've seen so far, which is obviously a small sample size. Nathan Redmond, I'm not a fan of. Hanno Masengo, I do like, and I liked him when he was at Bristol, but he sort of lost his way, and he spent, I think, last season out on loan. I'll be interested to see if he gets opportunities this year, how he does. There's no question about his talent. Uh, Lawrence Figueroa, he's a third-choice goalkeeper. He's a homegrown option. Mike Tressor, don't know a huge amount about. Again, it's big money guaranteed if they stay up for a player with no Premier League experience, so we'll see how it works. And Jakob Brun-Larsen is reliable. He's a reliable player. This could be an A window. 
It could also be a D window. I think I'm going to... They, they've also... They needed one more centre-back without question. They needed a lead centre-back and they haven't got that player in. And that concerns me. I also... I think they're lacking a real ball-winning presence in midfield. I know Sander Burge, in theory, is a defensive midfielder, but he's not really. He's a box-to-box player, and that's what he's always been. So I think they're going to lack a little bit of steel at centre-back and in holding midfield, and those things concern me. That's why I can't go any higher than a C. Uh, Chelsea. I mean, ludicrous. Ludicrous. Let's start with the sales, because they sold really well. They got well above value for Kai Havertz, well above value for Mason Mount. They got decent money for Mikhail Kovacic with a year left on his deal. I think they sold low on Kaladu Koulibaly just to get him out after one season. They got €20 million for Christian Pulisic, who had never really worked out fully because of injuries. They sold Mendy, Loftus-Cheek, Ethan Ampadu. I love that signing for Leeds. Uh, Romelu Lukaku. They tried to sell him all summer, couldn't, loaned him out instead. Sold very low on Callum Hudson-Odoi. I think Forrest might have got a bargain there. We'll talk about that later in the week. Uh, loaned out Kepa, loaned out Diego Moreira, lost Kante, Aspilicueta, Bakayoko, Baba Rockman, Aubameyang on free transfers, loaned out Zayic, Andre Santos, Angelo Gabriel, David Datro Fafana, Lewis Hall is gone on a loan with an obligation to buy in what I think is one of the worst moves any club made all season by Ch- by uh, Chelsea. Uh, Slanina has gone on loan. And yeah, I mean, they brought in a lot of money, but I think they've made some poor moves there. I really do. I wouldn't have sold Koulibaly. I wouldn't have sold Kovacic. I know you're likely to lose Kovacic on a free next season. But I think I'd have rather kept him as a grown-up in the room. Uh, same with Koulibaly. Because if you're, if you're going to completely alter how you play for Thiago Silva, I'd rather do it for Koulibaly, who at this point in their careers is a better player. I don't like... The, the Lewis Hole deal for me is is horrendous. It is a horrendous decision. I think he is a special, special talent. I think he's a left-footed Trent. And I think Newcastle, although it's a big fee, I think Newcastle have have won that deal by a million miles. Now the incomings, and there's a lot of these. Moises Caicedo, it's a significant overpay, but I do love the player. Romeo Lavia, it's a massive overpay, but I very much like the player. They got in Kunku, that deal was done from January. I don't understand the Cole Palmer signing at all. Axel de Sassi is a decent centre-back, but it's an overpay. Nicholas Jackson's very, very talented. I like the signing, but he can't be your starting number nine. Leslie Ogachoku, I very much like. Robert Sanchez, I don't like that deal at all. Uh, Diore Petrovic, I don't know enough about him. David Washington, don't know enough about him. Angelo Gabriel, don't know enough about him. And Diego Moreira, don't know anything about him because he was with Benfica B. So they've signed two kids from Santos one of whom has gone on loan. The other, I don't know what the plan is for him this season. They signed Ogachuk, a very young player, and Robio Lavi, a very young player. The oldest player they signed is Axel de Sassi. The oldest players they signed are Axel de Sassi, Christopher Nkunku, and Robert Sanchez. But Robert Sanchez is a goalkeeper, 25, is not old. 
They haven't brought in any experience. Lavia, one season. Caicedo, a season and a bit. Palmer, he's never been a starter at City. De Sassi never played in the Premier League. And Kunku never played in the Premier League. Jackson, he's had a season and a half, really. Two seasons, but never played in the Premier League. Ogachuk was 19. Sanchez is the only player they've brought in with real Premier League experience, and he's not particularly good. I don't like... like They've spent a billion quid under Todd Bowley. A billion. A billion. And I said going into the window, they need a starting goalkeeper, a ball winner, and someone that can put the ball in the net. They got the ball winner in Moises, but they overpaid for him. They didn't sign a starting goalkeeper, in my opinion. Sanchez is no more than a backup, and Petrovic, I'd be surprised if he can jump straight in and play. And there's nobody there that's scoring more than 12 league goals. I don't think anyway. And Kunku could. And Kunku could. But you're also going to be heavily reliant on him to be the creator. So I think it's a C. I think it's a C window. There's a lot of talent. And in time, this window and the January window will pay off for them. But how many managers down the road will that be? How many more splurges like this is Todd Bowley going to go on? Because at this point, it's become farcical how many players that, 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 they, that they own. It's absolutely farcical. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Twelve players they've signed, bought in this uh, summer transfer window. Right. If we look at last year, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, sixteen players. They said twenty-eight players. That's twenty-eight players. Sanchez is the only one from this summer with Premier League experience. Well, Cole Palmer, of course, but. Minimal for him. Wesley Fafana, minimal because of the, the the ankle break. And now he's out injured. Mark Kukurea had one season and he's been awful since going there. Raheem Sterling, he had a poor year last year, looks a lot better this year. Carney Chukwemeka, no experience. And all the rest came from abroad. Like That's 28 players, the vast majority of whom are not homegrown. So you can only have 25 in a squad and you can only have 17, is it 17 or 18 non-homegrown players? So they're going to have a tough time because they've still got to add more. They've still got to add more. This can't be the finished product. This is not a squad that finishes more, finishes higher than third as things. And that's if all of them work out to the very best level, which won't happen. 25% of these will flop without question. After that, it remains to be seen. Do you know what? It's a D window. You spend 400 million and I don't think you're a top 14. You spend a billion quid in a year and you're not a top 14. It's a D window. Moving on, Crystal Palace. Matthias Franke, Dean Henderson, Rob Holding and Jefferson Lerma. Players coming in. Going out, Wolf Zaha, Luka Milosevic, Jack Butland, 
Vincente Gaeta and Luke Plange. Uh, no money coming in. They spent around forty million, well, about thirty-five million pounds. I like the signing of Henderson. I think he's better than Sam Johnson, and I think they've got a good goalkeeping situation with Johnson being a very, very a capable backup. Rob Holding, just as a depth centre back, I don't mind. Can replaces that James Tompkins, Martin Kelly kind of role. Jefferson Lerma on a free, excellent signing. Excellent signing. And you put him and Dakuri in there together now. And that should free Dakuri up to be a bit more progressive. I don't know a whole lot about Matthias Franke. He looks an immense talent. I'm excited to see what he looks like with Olise and Eze. They still didn't address the right-back issue, which is one of the most glaring issues in the whole league. And they didn't bring in a number nine. They're banking heavily on... um, Odson Edward to have a good season and Mateta to have a good season. Edward has started the season pretty well. Hopefully that carries on because I do like the player. But I feel like they've left themselves a little bit short. But for the Franca, Henderson and Lerma signings, I'm going to give them a B. Uh, on to Everton. They signed Beto, they signed Cermetti, they signed Arnott and Juma. They bring in Jack Harrison on loan and they bring in Ashley Young on a free. They sell uh, Moise Keane. That was a, a loan with an obligation to buy that just went in this summer. Uh, Alex Iwobi, don't understand that sale. Thomas Cannon, don't understand that sale. Why did you buy a young striker just to sell another one? I know Chametti is very highly rated, but so is Tom Cannon. Uh, they sold Ellis Sims, so another young striker out the door. They sold Niels and Kunku again. It was a loan with an obligation or a loan with an option, maybe. Uh, Yeri Mina, Tom Davies, Asmir Begovic, they left on freeze. Mope and Holgate got loaned out. So they signed two number nines when they already had a big number nine. I don't know that Beto and Calvert-Loon or Beto and Chimetti or Chimetti and Calvert-Loon can play together. I do like the Dan Juma sign. And I think Jack Harrison can be good for them, can can be a good player for them. I'm I'm interested to see how they use him. I'd like to see him used as a wing back. I'd like to see them go back three, string four across the midfield, five across the midfield rather, with a sitting midfielder in there, be it Ganagay, be it Garner, and then McNeil and Onana going box to box. Play Harrison as the left wing back and Patterson as the right wing back. And I think personally. Godfrey, Tarkovsky, and one of Michael Enko or Branthwaite could be a solid back three. And then you play Danjuma off one of the strikers, whether it's Beto or whether it's Calvert-Lewin. For me, that's a team that stays in the division. The issue I have is there's nothing behind that. There's no depth here. There's no depth at all. Everton made a profit on this window of near 30 million. And losing a Wobie to bring in Harrison, it's a bit of a sideways move. Danjuma does mean that they've upgraded, and Beto means they've upgraded, but I have a strong feeling that Everton are going down this year. That window's no more than a D for me. Last but not least, then, for today, we'll do Fulham. Um, signed Alex Awobi, signed Calvin Bassi, signed Castanier, signed Jimenez, signed Bender. Brought in Adama Traore on a free and signed Foto Balotoure as a last gasp 
addition just before the window slammed shut. Uh, they sold Mitrovic, Gastoniga, Cavalero, Joe Bryan, Niskins Cabano and Shane, Shane Duffy, Anthony Knockhart and Stephen Sessegnon all left on freeze. Kevin and Bapu, Jay Stansfield and Terence Congolo were all loaned. They obviously lost Manor Solomon as well. Um, I don't know why they didn't try and get him to come back. This window almost became an F when it looked like Joe Polino was going. The fact that they've kept hold of him, even though it's probably just till January, at least gives them that top-class player in midfield. Iwobi should add to their midfield. He can play in a bunch of different positions, so I'm interested to see how he gets used. They've downgraded massively up front, though. I mean, from Mitrovic to Jimenez, and I like Jimenez, but it's 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 a huge downgrade. Uh, not a big fan of Timothy Castanier, but they needed a fullback. He can play both sides, so all things considered, it's fine. Bassi has a lot of rough edges that need to be worked on. There's no one here that massively moves the needle for them. They've definitely gotten worse, and for that, it's a D. And we will leave it there on this transfer window group. We will Thursday probably do the um, probably do the rest of the teams either t- tomorrow or Thursday. And we'll do nostalgia day the other day. Um. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll get into some of the news. Right, welcome back. So, into the news. Uh, Jorge Vilda, the coach of Spain's World Cup-winning national team, has been sacked amid the Luis Rubiales kiss row. Um, Monse Tomi has been named as a successor, becoming the first woman to hold the position. And this just continues to rumble on and on and on. Um, most of the coaching staff have resigned in protest. 81 players have put their name on a document saying they will not play. Rubiales has con- continued to refuse to resign. It is an absolute mess. It is absolutely a disgrace. Now, I understand that Vilda, who's a close ally of the player of the of Rubiales, is he's, he was in an awkward position. He was seen applauding Rubiales at that that meeting. I, I don't know what to make of the whole thing. I really don't. I, I'm really curious to see what happens from here on. Will the coaches come back to play for Tommy, who they all know she was part of the initial coaching staff? It's very, very, it's a very, very messy situation. How he hasn't just been fired, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, Eddie Nketiah has said that his first England call-up is a special moment, and it, it is. It should be. It should be for him, and I'm actually happy for the kid. don't think he deserved it, but he is a good player, and I'm happy to see him getting that call up. Uh, Tangai Endombele and Davinson Sanchez have both left Spurs to go to Galatasaray. Endombele is joining on a season-long loan, and Galatasaray will have an option to buy for just under thirteen million. Which, when you consider Spurs spent about sixty million, that one didn't work. Uh, Davinson Sanchez has signed a four-year contract with the option for a further season after. Galatasaray agreed an 8 million fee and I believe 
Spurs paid like 40 million for him. So again, not one that worked out well. And when people say Pochettino wasn't backed, it, it, at times, fair enough, but he was backed other times and his signings didn't work out. The players he targeted that he wanted did not work out. I hope that Endombele can rediscover his best form and I'm really looking forward to watching Galatasaray this summer because they have done madness in the transfer market. Uh, let's see if I can pull up what they've done this summer. Right, so Mauro Cardi, Davinson Sanchez, Kareem Demerbay, Kanean, Angelino, Cedric Bakumbu, Tete, who's really good, Wolf Zaha, who's obviously outstanding, Endembele and Zayic. That's a hell of a, a hell of a summer. And they did it all at a net spend of about 12 million. They sold a bunch of players. They loaned a bunch of players. They cut costs. And I, I really do think they've reloaded really well. Now, it's a lot of players coming in, so we'll see how it all works out for them. But I'm excited to watch that team. I think they'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Jack Grealish and Trent Alexander-Arnold have both withdrawn from the England squad due to injury. Alexander-Arnold has a hamstring problem, and I don't know what the issue with Grealish is. He missed the weekend's game, so who knows. Um, Everton winger Damari Gray was told no no moves done without the club say so by boss Sean Dyche. Gray seemed to criticise the Toffees manager on social media last weekend in the wake of a failed switch to fellow Premier League side Fulham. Damari told us the move was done, which is interesting to hear, says Dyche. We reminded him of the truth of the fact that no moves done without this club say so. That's the truth of it. Dyche told the club website that Gray didn't want to train and didn't want to be here when the moves in the offing. We said it's not a done deal because the club is the most important thing. To be fair, I, I kind of have to back Sean Dyche here. Um, I don't really understand how this situation all came about anyway. Because I would have said last year... Damari Gray showed at times that he's a very, very talented player and is a player that Daesh could make good use of. Everton fans have always been great with me, but so difficult to play for someone who doesn't show you respect as a person. It's what Gray wrote on his Instagram account. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Manchester City have learned their faith for the Club World Cup. They will play either Leon, not that Leon, different Leon, or Uero Reds in their opening match. Uh, Mexican side Club Leon are the reigning CONCACAF champions, and Uriah Reds of Japan won the Asian Champions League. Interesting. Oh, I think I'll watch some of that this year. It, it tends to be quite interesting. Uh, less, less good news for anybody is that Brazil have dropped Anthony from their squad following allegations of abuse by his former girlfriend. The Brazilian Football Federation said the 23-year-old has been withdrawn from the squad after facts became public that needed to be investigated. Brazilian news outlet UOL published allegations made by Anthony's ex-partner on Monday. 
Police in Sao Paulo and Greater Manchester are investigating the claims which the player has has denied. I can calmly state that the accusations are false and that the evidence already produced and the other evidence that will be produced demonstrate that I'm innocent of the accusations made. Anthony said on social media, he hasn't hasn't actually produced any evidence as yet, but we'll see. (coughs) I trust that the ongoing police investigation will demonstrate the truth about my innocence. Anthony is accused of attacking his former girlfriend, Gabriella Cavalin, with a headbutt in a Manchester hotel room on the 15th of January, leaving her with a cut on her head which needed treatment from a doctor. She also alleges she was punched in the chest, which caused damage to a silicone breast implant, which required corrective surgery. Anthony stated on Monday that his relationship with his former partner was tumultuous, but he insisted he never committed any physical aggression. He also released a statement in June saying that he'd been falsely falsely accused by his ex-girlfriend of domestic violence. This isn't new. This has been going on for a while. And um, it really isn't a good look for him. Greater Manchester Police said it's aware of the allegations made and inquiries remain ongoing to establish the circumstances surrounding the report. We will not be commenting any further at this time. The allegations come after the Premier League club Manchester United announced last month that Mason Greenwood could leave by mutual agreement following a six-month internal investigation. But no, they loaned him. They didn't just release him, which is what they said they were going to do. Charges against Greenwood, which included rape and assault, were dropped in February, but only because his girlfriend withdrew as a witness. That's the only reason, because she got back with him and got pregnant by him. That's the only reason those charges went away on Greenwood. There's no doubt that Greenwood did what he what he was accused of. There's also no doubt that Anthony looks very bad based on these allegations because that girl has released pictures and details that really don't reflect well. Really don't reflect well. Anthony has been replaced in the Brazilian squad by Gabriel Jesus. I'm not sure why Gabriel Jesus wasn't in the squad to begin with and why Anthony was considering, you know, Gabriel Jesus is very good and Anthony is not. Jordan Henderson says he was really hurt by criticism of Saudi Arabia transfer. Jordan Henderson gave one of the biggest car crash interviews I've ever read with The Athletic. If you haven't read it, it's David Ornstein. It, it's Adam Craft, uh, Crofton. Crofton. It's he really presses Henderson on certain topics. Ornstein's more of a mediator on it. Henderson digs more and more holes for himself. And you know, Jordan, there's an old saying: when the hole is big enough to climb into it, you stop fucking digging, son. This fella's halfway to Australia with the hole he's dug in this interview. He there's so many contradictory sta- statements. And he makes himself look bad in so many different ways. Like, he tried to play down his advocacy for LGBTQ plus rights. Oh, I just wore the laces and I just wore the armband. Well, no, you did a lot more. You presented yourself as the ultimate ally of that community. And now we know that you did it for the purposes of furthering your own PR campaign. He says in the piece, I don't really deal with the media. But that's not true either, because you have been finessing journalists for years 
to make sure they report favorably on you. He says he doesn't make decisions based on money. That's also a lie. Because two years ago, he ran crying to the media because he wasn't getting offered a new contract. And that was all about money as well. He said that the figures reported about his move, the wages he'd be on in Saudi Arabia, were fake. Yeah, you leaked them. Your agent told journalists this is what he's going to be earning. That came from your side, nowhere else. He goes on to say that the club didn't make him feel welcome. That if someone had said they just wanted him to stay, he would have stayed. Bullshit. Because Jurgen Klopp openly said, I asked him to stay. He made up his mind. He told some bizarre anecdotal story about how when he was in Qatar, he met some of the workers there and they told him how great the place was. Oh, the paid actors that were put forward told you how great it was, did they? How about all the workers that died building the stadiums? How about the workers that lived in conditions that slaves wouldn't be subjected to to build the stadiums? How about them people, Jordan? How about all the fans that went there and had T-shirts and flags taken off them? How about all those people? Oh, rules and regulations changed in Qatar. Did they? Permanently? Are you sure about that, Jordan? I've known for a long time a lot of stuff about him and how he was behind the scenes. About the tantrums that he threw when he wasn't in the team. And the atmosphere that he created when he wasn't in the team. And at some point, it's just all going to come out. It's not going to come from me. I'll let it come from others. But he basically admits it in the in the article, in the, in the interview, that he's, you know, they know how it is with me when I'm not playing. Yeah, you're a prick. That's how it is with you when you're not playing. You have tantrums. You actively go in late on people in training, don't you? Because you did it more than once. And the other thing he did was he highlighted that England has always meant more to him than Liverpool. That it's England first and then Liverpool. Actually, it's Jordan first, then it's England, then it's Liverpool. That his ego wouldn't allow him to transition into a squad role, despite the fact he's been shit for three years. Despite the fact that in his entire Liverpool career, his entire Liverpool career, he was garbage in his first year, 2011-2012. He was garbage for the first half of 12-13. He was decent for the second half. He was poor for the first half of 13-14, but he was really, really good the second half of that season. He was really good the second half of 13-14. He was good in 14-15, the whole season. It's the only season in his entire Liverpool career that he was consistently good from August to May. 15-16, he was crap and then he got injured. 16-17, he had a good three months, then he fell off, then he got injured and the team got better. 17-18, he was awful. 18-19, 18-19, he was dreadful. Came back into the team late in the year, had a good five to six game run, and people decided that meant he'd been good all year because Liverpool won a major honour. In spite of him shitting the bed in the Champions League final 
which he had done the year before, in 1718. In 1920, he was toxically bad from August to November. Awful. Genuinely awful. And then Fabinho got hurt, and he had a really good run of form. Arguably the best run of form he's had at the club for four months, from November to February. Then he got injured, then he came back, and he was poor. Then he got injured again, and he went away. 2021, he was poor. He got injured. The team improved massively once he was out. 21-22, he was shit. And 22-23 is one of the worst seasons I've ever seen had by any player at Liverpool. So in his entire career, he has one season where he was good from August to May. And he had three runs of form. Second, four runs of form. Four runs of form we'll give him. Second half of 12-13, though he wasn't great, he was just good. 13-14, the second half of that season, he was very good. He was very good the first three months or so of 16-17. And he was really good in that four-month spell in the middle of the title-winning season. And that's his Liverpool career. That's it. And for those who still want to defend him, maybe have a look internally. On to the gossip to finish us up. A Saudi Arabian delegation is is in England to make one last push to persuade Liverpool to sell Mohamed Salah for £200 before the Pro League transfer deadline on Thursday with the belief the 31-year-old is open to joining. Um, I'm sure he is open to joining, but it's not going to happen at this point. So sorry for your luck. Besiktas are close to finalising a deal for Nicolas Pepe for a nominal fee, which is generally about 500 grand. Um, England winner Jaden Sancho will be frozen out at Manchester United this season unless he finds an escape route in Saudi Arabia, says Rio Ferdinand. Jaden Sancho definitely should not go to Saudi Arabia, but Rio Ferdinand is happy to shill. Chelsea are considering making an offer for Ivan Tony when the transfer window opens in China. Jesus Christ. Just close. It's just closed. Ivan Tony hopefully is too smart to make that move. Go to Spurs. Former Spain defender Sergio Ramos rejected a late transfer offer from Manchester United before sealing a return to Sevilla. West Ham are expected to make a short-term contract offer to Jesse Lingard during the uh, international break. I assume it'll just be for the rest of the season. I don't think it'll just be till January. I hope it's the rest of the season anyway. I'd like to see him get the chance to play. Al Etifak are hoping to sign Damari Gray with the player keen to leave Goodison Park. I think I think he has to leave at this point. Um, Newcastle captain Jamal Lashes, the fact that he's still captain is just weird to me, uh, is a target for Saudi Pro League side Al Shabab. The English defender has slipped down the pecking order at St. James's Park. And Elector closing in on the signature of Casper Schmeichel. Um, Feels like there's a couple of Premier League clubs that would have been wise to sign him as a backup, given he has homegrown status, but it is what it is. Manchester United are still trying to sell Donny van de Beek. Um, I think it's going to have to be Turkey at this point for Donny. He couldn't go to Saudi. He'd melt. Imagine him. He'd be pink the whole time. Tottenham and France goalkeeper Hugo Lloris is set to remain with the club at least until January after turning down a host of offers. It feels like he could have just gone somewhere on a one-year deal and just ended the whole thing and, you know, moved on with his career and his life, but I suppose it's his decision. Right, that's it. That's me for today. Uh, Hopefully tomorrow's pod will be a bit smoother than this one.
and we won't have a, a you know four or five hour delay in the meantime. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye. Podcast Network.